2: Good evening. Quite a day, even more than most. And keeping them honest, at the end of it, we're left even more than most days with fresh evidence. The White House is neither being truthful nor transparent with the country, nor, it seems, especially concerned about either transparency or the truth. Some of the key stories we've been told by the president and his people have now shifted. Some of what we've been told we now know was untrue. And many of those lies reveal just how little we know about the president of the United States and how much was hidden from view when voters elected him. When we left you last night, you may remember the president's new attorney, Rudy Giuliani, had just changed the official story on both Stormy Daniels and the firing of then-FBI director James Comey. On Daniels, he admitted that the president had, in fact, repaid attorney Michael Cohen the money he used for a hush agreement with Daniels. On Comey, Giuliani gave a brand new justification for his firing. Oh, and he possibly exposed his client, an old friend to greater legal jeopardy. So in addition, Giuliani called Jared Kushner using his word disposable and Ivanka Trump untouchable. This morning, he promised that three Americans held captive in North Korea would be coming home today, even though he has no stated foreign policy role at the White House or even apparently the necessary security clearance. At the same time, Mayor Giuliani has doubled down on Stormy Daniels and tried to spin this as a, a new White House legal strategy even though we have new reporting tonight from our Gloria Borgia that other members of the legal team are, and this is not actually a legal term, freaking out. Sources telling CNN the legal team felt blindsided by Mayor Giuliani. Now, meantime, the president has weighed in with a series of legalistic-sounding and very un-Trump-sounding yet potentially self-damaging tweets on Stormy Daniels, admitting for the first time that he repaid Michael Cohen for making the hush agreement and making it even more unlikely that Michael Cohen's claim that he did this all on his own Without the president's knowledge, nothing to do about the election could possibly be true. Then at the White House briefing this afternoon, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders gave a string of non-responsive answers on the subject on questions she either could say little about or perhaps was only told little or nothing about
3: we give the very best information that we have at the time. Again, we give the best information possible at the time. And again, I've given the best information I had at the time. Again, I gave you the best information that I had. They gave you the best information that I had. Again, I'm giving the best information I have, some information I am aware of and some I'm not.
2: So she repeated that phrase, as you see over and over, instead of answering all the questions that her boss and his new attorney prompted, Starting last night with this, about the $130,000 hush payment to Stormy Daniels that Michael Cohen allegedly made out of his own pocket or facilitated, in his words. Now, remember, until now, we'd been told by a variety of people that neither the Trump organization nor the campaign had anything to do with it. Here's what Giuliani said last night on Fox News, apparently to take the campaign off the table, even though it potentially puts his client deeper in the soup. Also, pay attention to the look on Sean Hannity's face as Mayor Giuliani made unanticipated news. Uh,
4: that money was not campaign money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. So they, they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know. He did. Yeah. There's no campaign finance law. Zero. So the president. Just like every. Sean? So with this decision Sean? was made by. Everybody, everybody was nervous about this from the very beginning. I wasn't. I knew how much money Donald Trump put into that campaign. I said, one hundred thirty thousand. He's going to do a couple of checks for one hundred thirty thousand. When I heard uh, Cohen's uh, retainer of thirty five thousand when he was doing no work for the president, mm. I said, well, that's how he's repaying. That's how, he, how he's repaying it with a little profit and a little margin for paying taxes for Michael. The president, Look, but do you know the president didn't know about this? Uh, I believe that's I, what Michael He didn't Michael know about said. the specifics of it, as far as I know. But he did know about the general arrangement that Michael would take care of things like this.
2: So notice Hannity didn't say, did the president know about this? Which is the kind of question a reporter would ask, not telegraphing to the interview subject how he wanted the subject to answer. Instead, Hannity said, but you know the president didn't know about this. And Giuliani doesn't say, of course the president didn't know about this, which is what Cohen's supporters have been saying all along. Mr. Giuliani said, as far as he knew... Mr. Trump didn't know about the specifics of it, but did know about the general arrangement that Michael Cohen would take care of things. A general arrangement to funnel money to cover up an alleged affair. The president knew about the general arrangement for Michael Cohen, according to Mr. Giuliani, to take care of things. Words that don't exactly shout propriety. The verb funnel, by the way, in connection with possible financial wrongdoing is never a great choice. In any case, back in February, Michael Cohen issued a statement denying that any funneling took place. Neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford, and neither reimbursed me for the payment, either directly or indirectly. Now, notice he said nothing about the president reimbursing him, though Mr. Cohen's surrogates on TV did say the president knew nothing about it. And here's what the president said on Air Force One.
5: Did, did you know about?
6: There's to ask Michael Cohen. Michael's my an attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael Cohen. Do you know where he got the money to
7: make
8: that
2: payment? No, I don't know. No. The last statement, as Nixon Press Secretary Ron Ziegler once said about another lie, is no longer operative. This morning, the president fired off a string of tweets on the subject, which sound very lawyerly, very nuanced, a lot of commas, not the kind of language that Mr. Trump is known for, not an exclamation mark in sight. Quoting now, Mr. Cohen, an attorney, received a monthly retainer, not from the campaign and having nothing to do with the campaign, from which he entered into, through a reimbursement, a private contract between two parties known as a non-disclosure agreement or NDA. These agreements are very common among celebrities and people of wealth. In this case, it is in full force and effect and will be used in arbitration for damages against Ms. Clifford Daniels. The president's alleged tweet continues. The agreement was used to stop the false and extortionist accusations made by her about an affair despite already having signed a detailed letter admitting that there was no affair. Prior to its violation by Ms. Clifford and her attorney, this was a private agreement. Money from the campaign or campaign contributions played no role in this transaction. So there it is. In addition to saying that this is all about rich and famous people stuff, the president is admitting for the first time that he repaid Michael Cohen for the $130,000 that Cohen spent or, or facilitated, as he first said, back in the closing days of the campaign to buy Stormy Daniels Silence. The monthly retainer payments that he and Mayor Giuliani referred to began last year. Yet today, he also told Fox News this. President, President indicates he, un- he understood it.
4: Uh, th- th- that He didn't know the details of this until we knew the details of it, which was a couple weeks ago. Uh, maybe not even a couple, maybe 10 days ago. So according to
2: Mayor Giuliani, the president has been making monthly retainer payments to Michael Cohen for months and months. And previously, Mr. Giuliani said he wasn't really doing any other legal work for him, but did not know the details of the retainer agreement until just 10 days ago. But something else Mayor Giuliani said about why the hush money was paid stands out.
4: Imagine if that came out on October 15th, 2016, sure. in, yeah, the in the words. middle of the you know, last debate. Cohen didn't even ask.
2: Uh, Cohen, did, Cohen made it go away. He did his job. His job, just days after the Access Hollywood tape came out, was keeping voters from knowing about Stormy Daniels' allegations. And here's what's so kind of stunning about that statement. All this time, Michael Cohen and his surrogates on TV have been saying this actually had nothing to do with the election. Zero. It was just a pure coincidence, they say, that the deal was done less than two weeks before the election day. Michael Cohen has said it could have been done months before, which has always been clearly not true. But now Rudy Giuliani has confirmed it. Quote, imagine that came out October 16th in the middle of the last debate, he said. Cohen made it go away. He did his job. More now on the Michael Cohen payments and the questions surrounding them. CNN Chimacosta asked one of those questions that we alluded to in a, a moment ago on seeming inconsistencies even now in the White House's new story. He joins us now from the White House. So you press Sarah Sanders on whether or not she knew right. about the president's reimbursement of the Stormy Daniels payment. What did she say?
8: Oh, that's right, Anderson, because on March 7th of this year, Sarah Sanders said in the briefing room, I've had conversations with the president about this, as I outlined earlier, that this case has already been won in arbitration and that there was no knowledge of any payments from the president. He's denied all of these allegations. I simply asked Sarah uh, whether she was lying to us when she made that comment. Here's what happened. Well, can't you not under answer or not whether you were in the dark I think it's a fairly simple question whether you just I think didn't it's have a fairly simple answer that I, I've given time. you actually
3: several times now they gave you the best information that I had and I'm going to continue to do my best to do that every single day.
8: Now, of course, uh, she didn't really answer the question uh, as to whether or not she was left in the dark, but clearly she was left in the dark. Uh, Anderson, if, if you want to believe that Sarah Sanders was not lying to us a month ago, uh, but you know, I talked to a source close to the White House earlier today who's normally pretty, uh, pretty defensive of Sarah's performances in the briefing room, and this person said, look, this was absolutely brutal, uh, but of course you don't need a source inside the White House or outside the White House to tell you this. You just need your own eyes and ears. It was a pretty, it was a, it was a, it was a, uh, a performance that the president may not care about because he may not care very much about whether or not we get uh, the facts and the truth from the White House press secretary, but the rest of the country is relying on the White House press secretary to do just that. We didn't get that today or a month ago, a
2: couple yeah, months I mean, ago. at the very least, I mean, if she's, you know, if she wasn't uh, actually lying or actually, uh, you, know, uh, t- uh, you know, being uh, untruthful... Uh, right she's not very well informed or doesn't ask questions of the president or isn't able to ask direct questions of the president or thinks it's better not to.
8: That's right. And and this is my fourth press secretary I've I've dealt with. I've dealt with Jake, uh, Jay Carney, Josh Earnest, uh, Sean Spicer, uh, now Sarah Sanders. And here's the problem, Anderson. When you, as a White House press secretary, begin to lose the faith and trust of the reporters in that room, it is very difficult for you to continue to do that job. And as I was watching Sarah's performance today, it felt as if her credibility was crumbling right before our eyes. If if the best answer she had today was, well, I'm giving you the best information that I have, I think our viewers can figure out at home, they're smart enough to figure out at home, that's not exactly telling us the truth. And it calls into question from this day forward, and it really calls into question a lot of things she said in the past as to whether or not she's giving us the straight story. Uh, that, that is why not only did she reveal this during the briefing today that she found out about this last night, this repayment last night, but we heard from a slew of White House officials uh, all, over the, all over the White House uh, that they were simply blindsided by all of this, that they didn't see this coming. They didn't know what Rudy, Rudy Giuliani was up to. So this and wasn't begs, something the White didn't... House had approved in advance. Oh, yes, Rudy Giuliani is going to go out. This is part of a new strategy. Well, I, you know, there are some indications that Rudy Giuliani... Uh, had, uh, I guess, designed this uh, rollout of this information with the president. He's been saying uh, things of that nature to various reporters, including our own Dana Bash. But here's the question, Anderson. Why would Rudy Giuliani, in addition to rolling out that information last night, also refer to FBI agents as he did last night, as stormtroopers. Why would he why would he describe uh, Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, as disposable? Uh, there were a lot of things that Rudy Giuliani said that no communications expert, no White House press secretary would ever want the president's lawyer to say. And so, of course, this is obviously another situation where the gang uh, can't shoot straight. And they and they certainly weren't shooting straight with us earlier today, Anderson.
2: Andrew right, thanks very much. More now on the legal ramifications of the Daniel case. Uh, uh, and a lot more. Full docket, Stormy Daniels attorney Michael Avenatti is going to join us shortly. Joining us right now is CNN chief legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin and former Trump White House lawyer uh, Jim Schultz. Um, Jeff, just, first of all, uh, the, the thing that Rudy Giuliani said that, that surprised me probably most, b- besides admitting that the president did repay, which which we all kind of knew he must have, uh, although that's not something that, that was public and Michael Cohen seemed to indicate that wasn't the case, is that Rudy Giuliani clearly said... Imagine the damage this would have done. This was in the mid, you know, this was, I mean, he didn't say this. It was 11 days before the campaign. If it happened in the middle of the debate is what Rudy Giuliani says. That flies in the face exactly what Michael Cohen and all of his supporters have been saying all along. This had nothing to do with the campaign.
9: This is in- extremely incriminating what, what Giuliani said about this payment because the issue the legal issue surrounding this putting aside the moral issue of the entire white house lying about this for weeks the legal issue is whether this was a campaign expenditure and the the article the, the the argument that's been put out so far is that even though this sexual encounter took place 10 years earlier and had been released in in a tabloid 5 years earlier it's just a big coincidence that in october of before the election, that's when it was... Right, uh, that,
2: Michael Cohen has said that along. He said, oh, I could have done this months
9: ago, e- years ago. E- exactly. Giuliani put the lie to that. Giuliani made the mistake of telling the truth about that, which is that, of course, this was designed to help the Trump campaign. That's legally significant because that money then becomes a campaign exp- expenditure, which was neither reported by Donald Trump on his own personal expenditures, which he's required to do, or by Michael Cohen, who is also obliged to report campaign contributions. So Rudy Giuliani, by mistakenly telling the truth about the timing
2: here, put both Trump and Cohen in bigger trouble. But but can't the president argue uh, cleverly that, well, look, I wasn't paying Michael Cohen this $130,000 for this deal. I was giving him a retainer. For for unspecified legal work, he has a wide portfolio to deal with, I guess, unsavory stuff that I don't want to know about. So I give him this monthly retainer. I mean,
9: you can argue that Um,
2: it's it's not credible if
9: if if it's also innocent. Why did they set up this, you know, this this? After the fact, retainer. Why didn't he just write him a check? Mm. I mean, the the atmosphere of of suspicion and the fact that they'd lied about it for weeks and weeks certainly
2: suggests that they knew they were doing something wrong, and they were. Jim, do you have any doubt that this was uh, done with the election in mind? I mean, it did. This agreement was signed eleven days before Rudy Giuliani. There's no
0: indication the outcome may have been that it kept it out of the public realm during the election season. But you think that's just a coincidence? I, the, in the legal sense of this, the outcome might have been that. This was a personal expenditure. This is no different. I, I go back to this all the time. The John Edwards case, where a payment, payments were made to, uh, to take care of a campaign staffer who was fa- who, whose child John Edwards had fathered. The FEC took a pass on that said so these aren't the types of gifts that need to be reported because they're personal in nature, right? But then two, it went to the DOJ.
2: Right, but there's two differences with that, I believe, if memory serves me correct. The John Edwards payment was done about a year before the election, um, and also there was a child involved who needed support, uh, and you could make the argument that that's what that money was for. It, it was not, and that's probably what the jury believed, that it was not
0: for Uh, to influence the election Uh, or or to keep it away from his wife or to keep it away from his other family members. No different than here. And really, Giuliani said that these types of are the types of things that Michael Cohen does and gets paid for. Uh, Kind of alluding to the fact that this is something that Michael Cohen has done when accusations happen. He takes care of them. That's part of his job. If he has a pattern and practice of dealing with those types of issues in the past, outside of the election cycle, I think it lends to the credibility of a legal argument that these are just personal expenditures, but period. It,
2: A, what does it say if you have to have a full-time lawyer whose portfolio is... Non-disclosure agreements, hush payments to porn stars. I mean, the, that's that. That's
0: like Rudy said last night. He, he Rudy Giuliani said last night. The the the, the um, celebrities use do, do this all the time, right? The, they, they have, have people. A, that, a, they that have lawyers to deal with lawyers, these issues when accusations right. are made. They have full-time lawyers on
2: retainer. That's who what have Giuliani access said last night, yeah. and
0: and to the to the extent that that's a necessary thing for someone to have, and and that payments need to be made, that doesn't mean I'm dealing with the FEC issue here. Right. I don't believe there's an FEC violation here or an FEC case. You to don't be think made. this benefited the campaign? Uh, it doesn't matter if it benefited the campaign. It may have had the result of benefiting the campaign, and I think that's what Giuliani was getting at. But it, it but but the but the fact of the matter is, it was a personal payment okay. that for for a personal issue right, to, so to the present.
9: So if this was just an innocent expenditure that celebrities do, why did Trump lie about it? Why did Cohen lie about it? Why did Sarah Sanders, who presumably was just told false information, why... Was everybody lying about something if the whole thing was so innocent?
0: Because people don't want this in the public domain. And, and, and the reason why you don't want it in public domain is because you have reputational issues. It doesn't necessarily have to be a campaign But the, but the
9: reputational issue had already been announced. I mean, everybody knew that she had been paid this money. So the, the, the reputational issue was, was, was already out there. The question was who paid the money? So why didn't they say immediately, well, this is, we, we, we reimbursed him. Yeah. Instead, they engaged in this well, so, incredible series of lies. By the lies. way,
2: if the reputational Look. damage was, was so much, why didn't, you know, eight years ago, um, Michael Cohen said, oh, you know what, I, sh- I, should, I should arrange for this nondisclosure agreement with, with Stormy Daniels and lock that down so that this never gets out into the public realm. Well, it, it just so happens that
0: he's like 11 days before the election. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Let's do that. Well, she's threatening to come forward at this point in time. Right. And I'm sure people have threatened to come forward on other issues in the past from what Rudy Giuliani has said. And if that's the case, granted, we're, we're talking about the solely the FEC issue here. Certainly, there are some credibility issues here that need to be repaired. But as it relates to the FEC issue, I don't believe that the legal it? jeopardy the legal jeopardy that you're talking about, Jeffrey, exists.
2: All right. Let's leave you there. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Uh, Jim Schultz, also Jeff Tubin. coming up next. Dormy Daniels attorney, Michael Avenatti, joins us. He weighs in on what we've been talking about and later. The reality of three Americans still held captive in North Korea as we wait, perhaps, shortly for their release.
1: Visit Zenny today at zenni.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN.
2: Our next guest tonight, safe to say, watch Rudy Giuliani with more than a little interest. Michael Avenatti, as you know, represents Stormy Daniels. He's squared off against Michael Cohen and so far has had plenty to say about each new development in the case, including Mayor, Mayor Giuliani's revelation last night about the president repaying Michael Cohen for the hush money to Ms. Daniels. Michael Avenatti joins us now. Um, first of all, how, in your opinion... We were just talking about whether it was damaging for Rudy Giuliani to say that Michael Cohen did this, uh, because can you imagine what the impact would have been in the middle of the the last debate, 11 days before the the election?
6: Well, I think it's incredibly damaging, and I think it's a shocking admission by uh, Rudy Giuliani, namely that he has admitted... The exact opposite of what has been said time and time again over the last four months, the American people, whether it be by Michael Cohen, David Schwartz on this show many times, uh, individuals associated with the White House, the president himself. There's no question that this was done in connection with the campaign. No question about it.
2: Did um, Does it make sense to you? I mean, we don't know. What What is not clear from the White House or from uh, Rudy Giuliani is when... Mr. Trump allegedly knew about this agreement. I mean, they're saying essentially he was paying a retainer on an ongoing basis for months to Michael Cohen, but may not have known about the details until 10 days ago.
6: Well, that doesn't make any sense, Anderson, because we filed our case in the first week of March. So there's no question that he would have had to have known about the uh, allegation or the payment as of that date. Let's back up even before that. The Wall Street Journal did their article, I think, in late January or sometime in February relating to the disclosure of the agreement and the $130,000. So I can't imagine he didn't know about it at that time. Then you also look at the statement by, and I think you put it up for your audience earlier, the statement by Michael Cohen about facilitating the payment where he denied being reimbursed by the Trump Organization or the, um, or the campaign. or the campaign. And we've talked about that before, and i right pointed out that I thought it was interesting at the time that it did not include uh, Mr. Trump. It appears that at the time that statement was drafted, there was an agreement in place relating to reimbursement or reimbursement had already occurred because otherwise it's just too, uh, it's too much of a coincidence to, to allow that carve out. But, but Giuliani is essentially arguing that
2: the president has given uh, his attorney, Michael Cohen, kind of an extended general authorization just to deal with... Anything I guess in this in this realm is that standard operating procedure for for some wealthy clients it's- well
6: i, I 've never heard of such a thing, and as you know, I practice in los angeles i 've been involved in a number of celebrity cases on on both sides, plaintiff and defendant i 'm not aware of another high profile individual that had an attorney on retainer and provided that attorney with a slush fund. Uh, to, play, to pay women that come out of the woodwork that accuse that individual uh, of extramarital affairs. This, the whole idea of this story, namely that you had somebody that came out of the woodwork a couple weeks before the election, according to them, that was not credible that was a complete liar, and they just threw $130,000 at her to make her go away so that he could win the election, even though they knew that she wasn't telling the truth, is a bunch of nonsense. You've said all along, that regarding the, uh,
2: the nondisclosure agreement, the hush agreement, that it would have been unethical for Michael Cohen to have entered into that agreement with the LLC that he set up without the president being informed, at the very least, about it, even though the president didn't sign, even though there was a line for the president to sign. Do you if you believe that, do you believe it would have been unethical for Michael Cohen to be in charge of this, you know, uh, to have this this portfolio to deal with these kind of cases without ever informing Donald Trump? Oh, like, oh, you know what? That Stormy Daniels thing I told you about, I settled it, it's done, it was
6: $130,000. I'm going to call it what it is, um, if it's true, which is a slush fund. But, yeah, I do believe it would be unethical for Michael Cohen to be uh, administering the extramarital affair slush fund and not telling uh, Donald Trump on a consistent basis as to how those monies were being paid and what they were being paid for.
2: Um, earlier in the day, there, there was a report, uh, NBC, saying that federal investigators have wiretapped the phone lines of Michael Cohen. They later issued a correction, saying that they had a phone log from phones associated with Michael Cohen. Um, you were on NBC. You said that it wasn't just wiretaps, but also they were reading Mr. Cohen's text messages. Um, do, do you know for a fact that they were that they were reading Mr. Cohen's? Yes, text I know messages? that
6: separate and apart, independently from the NBC reporting. I want to be clear. So you, you believe they. Because, I mean, NBC says they're not wiretapping the phones. Do you still believe they were? Okay, there's, there's a difference. When you're going to conduct electronic uh, monitoring of communication, you have to get authorization to do email, a separate authorization for text message, and a third authorization in order to conduct a, a wiretap of audio communications. The NBC reporting dealt with the audio communications. I already had knowledge as to the first two, the email and the text messages. I know that was going on for a fact. The, um, earlier today you said that we're getting
2: closer to more revelations coming out and that we still haven't gotten to the bottom of, of this. What, what, can you
6: elaborate? Well, I, I want to be careful on what I say, but there's a considerable amount of evidence that's going to come to light in connection with this case, and I think that's one of the reasons why you saw Mr. Giuliani appear on a, a very friendly show, on a very friendly network, to try to get out in front of, of some of this, because they knew it was only a matter of time that either we were going to reveal it, or the U.S. attorneys uh, or investigators from SDNY was going to uh, were going to reveal details relating to this. I mean, it, this was a bombshell. I know I've used that term a number of times, but It continues to be the dropping of bombshells in this case. I mean, I I could not imagine. Uh, I was shocked when Mr. Giuliani made these admissions last night, and I was doubly shocked when he followed it up this morning and did uh, himself and Mr. Trump more harm this morning. Why do you think he did more harm this morning? Well, because he tightened this up as it relates to the election. I mean, last night right. on Sean Hannity, he did not tie it to the election as clearly right. as some uh, like me would have hoped. And this morning, lo and behold, he gave the reference to the last debate in the October time frame right. of the election. I mean, he tightened it up better than probably we could, ever could have.
2: Yeah. Michael Avenatti, thanks very Thank much. You. Appreciate it. Coming up, will the special counsel call Ivanka Trump in for questioning? There's probably nobody closer to the president of the White House Mr. Trump's business life. She's the president's advisor, obviously daughter and executive in his company. She no doubt knows a lot, but a new report says the Mueller team may be strategically holding off calling her in for questioning for now. We'll talk about that next and hear the strange thing that Rudy Giuliani said about it. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. As the, as the special counsel's investigation continues, there's a name that hasn't come up much, which is Ivanka Trump. She's not just the president's daughter. She's an advisor, has played a key role in the Trump organization. An article in Politico suggests the Mueller team may be holding back, calling her in for questioning for uh, or holding back on calling her in for questioning for now because they're waiting for the last possible moment, knowing the president would not take it well if they called her in as a witness. Rudy Giuliani was asked about the idea of the Mueller team targeting Ivanka Trump in any way. and Here's what he said.
4: If they do do Ivanka, which I doubt they will, the whole country will turn on them. They're going after his daughter? What about his son-in-law? They've talked about him. I guess uh, Jared is a fine man. You know that. But men are, you know, disposable. But a fine woman like Ivanka? Come on.
2: With me now is Jennifer Rogers and Michael D'Antonio. Do you think it's... uh, Jennifer, hearing Rudy Giuliani say that, do you think that's a a warning to special counsel Mueller? Do you think it's just... A statement of his belief?
7: Well, I think it's a little of both. I mean, I think that they want to get this notion out there that it's beyond bounds to go after the family. And, you know, I think Hannity said something like, I fear for our country or something like this. I think they are trying to start this narrative of that this is out of bounds and they shouldn't go there. Um, but I, you know, I just think they're also just kind of, you know, trying to lay things down for what they want to happen.
2: Michael Antonio. I mean, um Ivanka Trump's role in the Trump organization, it can't be overstated, right?
10: No, she knows just about everything that's gone on for at least 10 years, maybe 20. This is a person who's been closer to Donald Trump, I think, than anyone for longer. She knows far more than the president's wife knows about his activities of all sorts. So this is a, a huge step for the special counsel to consider, but it's also a an example of how the president likes to have everything every which way. Mm-hmm. So he'll have someone be in his administration, sort of, in the Trump organization, sort of, but also in his family.
2: You think Ivanka Trump knows more than uh, than the first lady knows about, oh, about by business? Far. Really? By
10: far, yeah. She's had an office in the Trump organization her whole adult life and has been involved in projects abroad, projects in the United States, her own businesses, the furnishings and fashion lines. So this is someone who knows everything. You know, Jennifer, Michael
2: talks about well, the president wanting it to have it both ways. I mean, on the one hand, uh, Ivanka Trump is his daughter and, you know, family members, children usually would not be uh, sort of, you know, discussed in the media as, as Ivanka Trump is. But she also has a role in the White House. I mean, she has an office in the White House. She's moved there along with Jared Kushner. So she is a player uh, in, in the political life of the president
7: she is i mean you know an adult child who was present for important matters might actually be called as a witness and there she's not necessarily off limits just because she you know if she didn't have a role but the fact that she does have a role means a couple things you know one it means she's kind of more within bounds of what people would think it's reasonable for the special counsel to do but it also means she's more likely to have been an actual participant in some of these meetings and we know from reporting that she actually was present for some of the important matters here so you know that they have a reason to want to call her to hear what she has to say
10: michael do you think she's vulnerable in that sense well i think she is but i i think it's also interesting to notice the complex role that she's played she was sent to korea for the olympics she was in europe for the for diplomatic meetings this is a person who's almost uh, been a cover for the president she emerges when he needs someone to make him look good look look softer and what uh, mr giuliani was talking about how she's sort of untouchable because the american people love her is sort of the intent all along i wonder Now, if this wasn't part of the reason why the president wanted to keep her close.
2: Jennifer, does it make sense to you that Rudy Giuliani called Jared Kushner disposable?
7: (laughs) I do not know what that means at all. I mean, you know, uh, blood relatives are your closest relatives, of course. I mean, I think that there are reasons that he can expect Ivanka to be more loyal to him than Jared would be. You know, one thing is, of course, they're actually related. The other thing is that Jared has some legal exposure that Ivanka doesn't have, at least as far as we know. So I can see why Jared would be more disposable than Ivanka. But to say that men are disposable, I, I can't really... Say, Mm -hmm. I know what that was about.
2: Uh, Strange. Jennifer Rogers, thank you. Michael D'Antonio as well. Coming up are some conservative lawmakers seeking access to Justice Department files on the Russia investigation in order to share that information in the White House. I'll talk to a member of the House Intelligence Committee next.
1: I'm Andy Katz with March Madness 365. And on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by
6: Syracuse's highest battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of
7: my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well.
1: Subscribe to March Madness 365 now on
8: Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
2: There was a remarkable story tucked away in a New York Times piece last night about Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. As you know, he and members of the Conservative House Freedom Caucus are squaring off. Some reportedly want to impeach him. They say he and the Justice Department have refused to turn over key information on the Russia probe on a timely basis. The report in The Times suggests a motive for Mr. Rosenstein's reluctance and its pure hardball politics. According to The Times, Rosenstein and senior FBI officials suspect that some lawmakers have used, uh, have used, are using oversight authority to gain information about the investigation and then funneling it, there's that verb again, to the White House. Joining me to talk about this is Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell, a member of the House Intelligence Committee. Congressman, are you aware of any House Republicans sharing information they receive from the Department of Justice regarding the Russia probe with the White House?
11: Uh, good evening, Anderson. Uh, this is certainly something we have seen in the past. It, and, you know, the it, it, the or, or origin of it was when Devin Nunes went to the White House, of course, the day after Comey testified. The memo that they wrote was actually asking the Department of Justice for information that they would ask the White House to sign off on about an ongoing investigation, the FISA warrant for Carter Page. And the concern I had there was that you were reading in individuals who were subject to an investigation and giving them the authority to sign off on what would be released. When we were interviewing Steve Bannon, we were very concerned that Steve Bannon's lawyer had been receiving the transcript of his testimony and then taking it back to the White House because he also represents Don McGahn, the White House counsel. And now you see the Republicans in Congress who are essentially acting as Mr. Trump's fixers in Congress by trying to obstruct Mr. Rosenstein's investigation by asking for information about an ongoing investigation. Anderson, you know it is longstanding protocol in our country. You do not tell anyone about the details of an ongoing investigation because you don't want to jeopardize it. Do you think it's appropriate for Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein to withhold documents from Congress based
2: on suspicions, but not necessarily hard evidence?
11: Yes, I I think it's appropriate that only the, the investigators know about the evidence in the case. And I would say that whether it was a Republican or a Democratic administration being investigated, because you don't want witnesses to have information about the case so that they kind of cook up a story or tailor their answers to what they know is already out there. And you saw this with Rudy Giuliani coming forward last night on Hannity. He it looks like they knew that a wiretap was out in place, and so they started being more forthcoming about why Donald Trump, you know, was so involved with. Uh, the stormy daniels payoffs and so when witnesses know the information that investigators have then they start to either destroy evidence or change their stories the, the
2: new york times has also reported the democrats fear that the request for documents from republicans are meant as a trap either rosenstein hands over everything requested which breaks protocol by the way and allies of the president could potentially use that information to undermine the russian investigation or he denies their request and that can be used as cover to fire him do you believe that
11: Yeah, I I do think that uh, the effort here is either to get information in the hands uh, of the president and his team who are under investigation or to just, you know, do all they can to give uh, Donald Trump the cover to fire Rod Rosenstein. Both are obstructive behavior. The best thing we can do is to put in place the bipartisan legislation that was just passed in the Judiciary Committee in the Senate that would protect Bob Mueller and his team so that we can get to the bottom of this and so that the whole country can move past this Russia mess that the president has gotten us in. Congress is supposed to provide oversight
2: of the Department of Justice. Is the relationship between the House and Rosenstein salvageable?
11: Uh, it is. Uh, it's not salvageable, though, with Devin Nunes as the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and it's not going to be salvageable if they continue to make these efforts uh, to undermine his investigation. You know, Anderson, this is about the rule of law, and of course, we want to have oversight on you know, privacy as it relates to FISA warrants. Of course, we want to know that the Department of Justice is not violating anyone's rights, but we never have done this during an ongoing investigation. So I can only view it as just an effort to undermine his work. And if Republicans care about the rule of law, they will step back and understand that there are greater principles at stake here than their president at the White House. You talked about Rudy Giuliani
2: on Hannity last night. His disclosure that the president paid back Michael Cohen for his uh, hush money payment to Stormy Daniels What's the one thing that jumps out at you about, about this whole thing? Because today he also seemed to indicate, at least, that, that this was uh, to do with uh, the election.
11: Yeah, it, well, one, it shows me that, you know, Donald Trump is not being straight with the American people. Two, that he's willing to act as a shadowy operator. And so I don't really give a rip about what happened with Ms. Daniels. What's more important to me are the real questions around his involvements with the Russians, whether it was personally politically or financially, and if he wasn't straight with the country about what happened with Ms. Daniels, I think we can, can conclude that he's probably acted in a shadowy way, uh, in an operative way, in, in payoffs with other individuals around what's happened with Russia. And so he should just sit down in Bob Mueller's chair, come straight with the American people so we can move on beyond mm-hmm. this.
2: Congressman Swalwell, appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Just ahead, will three Americans who have been detained in North Korea actually be released? There were conflicting messages on that today, all coming from the president's team. We'll tell you about that and get a reality check from the region.
9: Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current YES analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Reports, The Full 48.
11: For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like. All I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The full
9: 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: The fate of those three Americans detained in North Korea remains a mystery tonight. That's despite Rudy Giuliani, now President Trump's personal attorney, trumpeting big news on Fox and Friends this morning that freedom was close at hand. Today, in fact, he said.
4: And and we got got, uh, Kim Jong-un impressed enough to be releasing three prisoners today.
2: Well, a couple of things uh, about that. First, when Sarah Sanders was asked about it at the press briefing about the, the remarks, she said they can't confirm, quote, the validity of the reports. Second, Rudy Giuliani, as I mentioned, is the president's personal attorney, not his secretary of state, not his deputy secretary of state. So he doesn't have a White House job or, as far as anyone knows, a security clearance. So the how and why Mr. Giuliani was talking about North Korea at all came up at today's press briefing. You why he was
3: talking
7: with Giuliani about the North Korean prisoners, given that he doesn't have a high-level clearance? Uh,
3: I'm not aware that they spoke about that, so I don't know. Was he aware that that Giuliani was going to be talking about them on TV during the negotiations? Uh, Again, I'm not aware that they spoke about it, so I can't answer that.
2: So there's that, which brings us to the third and perhaps most curious part of all this, and that's what the president himself tweeted last night about three Americans. Quote, As everybody is aware, the past administration has long been asking for three hostages to be released from a North Korean labor camp, but to no avail. Stay tuned. Well, it sounds good, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's because two of three hostages in question were actually taken hostage during this president's administration. Jonathan Carl asked Sarah Sanders about the disconnect.
8: When he talked about the prisoners in North Korea, he said the previous administration had been, uh, you know, failed to get them out. These two of them were, were taken prisoner while... Donald Trump was president. When
3: it comes to North Korea there uh, I think you could also look at Otto Warmbier who was uh, detained during a previous administration as was one of the current detainees Um, and so that would reflect the president's comments that he made.
2: Well Otto Warmbier who returned to the U.S. in a vegetative state and died less than a week later that dodge question aside just where does that leave things with the current American prisoners that is the most important thing after all so for that, I'm joined now by CNN's Paula Hancocks, who's in Seoul, South Korea. Paula, do we know actually anything concrete about the current status of the three Americans in North Korea?
5: Well, Anderson, what we know is from official who is uh, actually dealing with this ongoing uh, negotiation, and they say that the release of the three detainees is imminent. Now, they don't give any more specific timing than that. The word they use is imminent. Uh, and they also say that uh, this has been months in the making. The the North Korean foreign minister, Ri Yong-ho, went to Sweden back in March. Uh, Sweden handles all the diplomatic issues for the US with North Korea. Uh, and the, he proposed that they release these three detainees. Now, at that point, US official said they didn't want it linked to denuclearization. They didn't want it to lessen the impact as well of denuclearization. But beyond that, the official says that they can't confirm these reports uh, that potentially these three have actually been moved from labor correctional facilities closer to the capital ready for uh, release. So it's very difficult to get any kind of clarification on that.
2: Do we know had their families been notified uh, of anything happening?
5: The families know nothing at this point. We've been in touch with them and they have said uh, that they've heard nothing new. Now, in in recent days, in recent weeks, they have been quite hopeful, thinking that if this summit between uh, President Donald Trump and and Kim Jong-un is going to go ahead, then potentially there is a very good chance that these three detainees could be released as uh, what the White House and the State Department have called a potential goodwill gesture. So certainly they're hopeful, but they have heard nothing uh, today. They've heard nothing specific about timings, and, and clearly this would be very difficult for them.
2: Has there been any more clarification of where Rudy Giuliani got the information that uh, Kim Jong un was, quote, releasing three prisoners today?
5: There's, there's no clarification from the Korean Peninsula. This information, as far as we can tell, did not come from here. But the fact is, even, even the White House and the State Department say that they couldn't clarify or, or confirm that statement as well. So, so there are some, some heads being scratched at the moment, trying to figure out what exactly that kind of timing was. Usually in this situation, you would get more of an indication, uh, and more of a, of a word of mouth that something was about to happen, which we simply haven't had today.
2: And has there been any reaction from the North Korean regime publicly?
5: There's been no reaction whatsoever. We, we did hear from Kim Jong Un uh, on uh, on Thursday. He met with the Chinese foreign minister and was talking about how his firm position is denuclearization. This was all through the uh, uh, the foreign ministry in China, but he didn't mention detainees at all. So we've we've heard nothing from uh, from the North Korean side, and and it's unknown how they would take this kind of uh, this kind of speculation as well.
2: All right, Paula Hancock. Thanks very much. Back in Washington, an update to a story we brought to you last week. Turns out the House chaplain is getting to keep his job after all. Father Pat Conroy was, uh, has rescinded his resignation. That's not something you hear every day. And House Speaker Paul Ryan says he can stay. Ryan asked him to step down last month for reasons that are still a mystery beyond some type of feedback about pastoral care. Lawmakers from both parties questioned the request for him to step down. In a letter to Ryan today, Conroy said that Ryan sent his chief of staff to ask for his resignation and that the chief of staff said something dismissive like, maybe it's time we had a chaplain that wasn't a Catholic. The chief of staff says he disagrees with Conroy's recollection of the conversation. In a statement, Ryan says he'll sit down with Conroy earlier this week so that, quote, we can move forward for the good of the whole House. Up next, Giuliani throws the rest of President Trump's legal team into some disarray. More on the impact of his comments about the hush money reimbursement for Michael Cohen when we continue.